Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. The Green Bay Packers have won more games than any team in the NFL the last three seasons. The Packers also went to the playoffs in each of those three seasons and participated in the NFC Championship game twice. Yet, the Packers never advanced to the Super Bowl. Is this the season the Packers break through and play in the big one in Phoenix on February 12th? Welcome. I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another scintillating Packers podcast. Hello, Rob. Hello, Gary. Should I answer your first question right away and end all suspense? Uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll keep them till the end, right? All right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I got to go to my thesaurus and find another word for scintillating. <laughs> yeah, how about how about exhilarating, sizzling, there stunning, you remarkable, you know, fascinating, whatever. You, you're, you're clever. You got a bunch. There you go. So, uh, <laughs> hey, there's, there's a lot to talk about uh, this past week. Uh, the Packers, like all NFL teams, cut down to 53 players. And to me, there wasn't any shocking developments on that front. Uh, I thought Heflin might make it. I thought Winfrey might make it. But uh, other than that, I mean, nothing really, really, you know, stunning. No, I, I'm with you. This wasn't like 1986 where on cut down day, right? How uh, do you remember this stuff? Or, or, <laughs> it's my job, Gary. Come on. You, you. <laughs> You could probably tell me, you know, buck scores from 1994. So no, no I couldn't. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, you're 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 fortunate then. To, to, sadly, I remember that stuff, Gary, and I don't remember anything that's important, like birthdays in the family or what to buy my wife on her birthday or something like that. Exactly. So, um, but no, I mean, 86, Gary. They on, on cut down day they waved goodbye to Lynn Dickey and Paul Kaufman. I mean, it, it was one of the more remarkable days in franchise history what what was still at the time a quarterback with a little bit of life arguably you know the best tight end they had had in 20 years and and it really took the football world by storm even six years ago seven years ago whatever it was Gary me I guess 16 I think uh when they waved goodbye to Josh Sitton on on cut down day you know that 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 was a big one Mike Daniels a few years ago Mm-hmm. There are still times where a guy will be cut and it, and it takes your breath away because it's the last thing you thought or or expected, whether it's, you know, they, they, they see decline in the player. Or it's a contract thing looming that they just don't even want to deal with and, and get into. That wasn't the case. Not even close. Uh, yes, yesterday in Green Bay, like, like you said, I, had, I think you hit the two key guys, maybe there, Jack Heflin, defensive lineman fighting for a spot. In, in what's really become a deep and, and terrific group of, of defensive linemen made it last year as a uh, undrafted free agent. The, the group got better. The group got stronger. They signed a free agent in Jaron Reed. They, they used a first round draft pick on, on Devonte Wyatt. They used another draft pick later on in, in Jonathan Ford at the end of the day, Gary, uh, you know, an undrafted guy probably isn't going to beat out a drafted guy if it's close because mm-hmm. Guess who's making that call, right? Yeah. It's it's the guy who did the drafting, exactly. <laughs> and it, you know, obviously in this case, it's it's Brian Gutekun. So, uh, could Heflin help them more right now in in week one than maybe a couple of the defensive linemen on the roster? I I say yes, absolutely. But Gutekun looks at this big picture as well, I'm sure, and and we're gonna hear from him 
Gary, in an hour or two after you and I finish up the, the, this podcast and we'll, we'll get a little more clarity, for example, of, of why some of this stuff happened. But but I'm sure that played a large picture in it. Um, who can help the team more maybe a year or two from now in, in terms of who can just help them today? Kind of the same thing on Winfrey. It probably came down to him and, again, another draft pick, right? Samari Toure for, for that final spot in the wide receiver room. And, and, and the draft pick wins out over a guy who – you know, the, the, in Winfrey that the Packers picked up kind of uh, off, off the street a year or two back. And, and I know the quarterback loved Winfrey, and, and he's made a plea for him two, three times this summer when, when talking about that wide receiver group. But even though Aaron's got a larger say and, and, a, and a bigger voice, I, I think inside the organization, Gary, it, it still comes down to what the general manager wants much more than what Aaron wants. And, and you saw that yesterday when when they kept Toure over over Winfrey and 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 they'll go to they'll go to battle up in Minnesota with this 53 and um but yeah no, I know I'm with you Gary overall not a not a ton of surprises I I think you know even back after the draft or certainly by June 1 most people could have circled about 47 48 of these guys and 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 been right there's there's always four five six jobs that are decided at the end of the roster but let's be honest Gary if we get to January and some of those guys are on the field, it's not going to be good news. It won't be good news for anybody. <laughs> exactly. You, you win Super Bowls, right? You, you beat Tampa Bay, you beat the Rams, you beat the 49ers with the top 10, 12 guys on your roster being at their absolute best on the day of the NFC championship game or the divisional round. And and that's what this football team's going to need if, if they have any hopes of getting to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, not only – were there few surprises from the Packers standpoint, but if you went around the NFL, there weren't any, again, stunning moves. I, I thought one of the biggest ones was maybe Alex Leatherwood of the Raiders, who was a mid first round pick last season. You know, when they made that pick, I thought it was a reach at the time. And I, I think most people did, but it was shocking that uh, a mid first round pick would be let go. But I talked to a guy, uh, who knows the Raiders situation quite a bit yesterday. And he, he said that Leatherwood just made mistake after mistake. And the shocking thing about that is he's a bright guy and they just couldn't figure it out. Plus the fact that they played him at right tackle instead of left tackle, uh, which he played at Alabama. But, but again, outside of him, uh, there, there weren't any cuts that's, you know, like blew me away by any stretch. Again, I, I just think the way the league is structured these days, Gary, Things have changed dramatically in the in the last decade or two. You 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 get your key guys locked up. You you kind of have things established by the time you get to June, mm-hmm. and and you know who again 90 percent of your guys are going to be. It's it's only those few moves at the bottom of the roster that play themselves out. And and you're exactly right. I mean Marlon Mack in Houston, right? Or or the Vikings cutting a a 2021 third round quarterback or something like that. If, if, that was if, a little surprising. Yeah, they got rid a little of bit. Guys. But I mean, if that's yeah. the biggest shock of the day, yeah. right? Versus uh, a starting wideout, for example, in Buffalo, right? Or um, you know, a starting corner from the Tennessee Titans or something like that, which which we've certainly seen in in past mm-hmm. years. Then then it's a uh, it's a shockingly quiet day around the league, and and that's really what yesterday was. I'm, you know, I I don't think Green Bay's roster is is finalized or set, Gary. I. You know they they've got the fifty three as a, as it sits today, but but there to me is 
you know, for example, they, they only kept two running backs. They're not going to go to Minnesota. I was going to bring that up. Exactly. With, with two running backs. Um, they're, they're thin at safety. It, it wouldn't shock me if, if Gutekunst makes a move here in the next, in the next week um, and, and, and adds another safety to that group or, or even still another outside linebacker, you know? So, so I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, totally a, a, a set and finalized 53 that that'll be, you know, I think taken care of next week, but that's the 53 for today. And, um, and, and, and we'll see where Gutekunst goes from here, but, but I do think he's got another move or two still up his sleeve before they go up to Minnesota in 11 days. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, let, Rob, let's break down the offense first by areas. The quarterback situation won't take a long time. I, I think it's in great shape with uh, Rodgers and Love. The question is, do you think they'll bring in a third quarterback at some point? The third quarterback, Gary, will, will be on the practice squad. In, in all likelihood, it'll be Danny Etling, who, who had a really you think nice – he'll come back, squad. huh? Yeah. I, I, I'd be surprised, I guess, if he doesn't, and – and, and, and that's what we'll see unfold here, you know, over the next 48 hours as teams put together their practice squad. But, but I would expect Atling, who had a nice summer, to, to be that third guy and to stick around and, and be on the practice squad. But, no, you're, you're exactly right. This positional group shouldn't take long. Two-time MVP uh, gives you a chance every time you, you take the field, right? He, he looked as good as ever. I mean, the guy's in remarkable physical condition, Gary, for 38, almost 39 years old. Um, in Aaron Rodgers, he he'd like I can guarantee you he'd love to catch Peyton Manning uh, with with a fifth MVP. Manning's first with five. Rodgers is now second with four. Rodgers, big stat guy, Gary would love nothing more, <laughs> nothing more than to catch Peyton and and get that fifth one. So so obviously they're in good shape there. And 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 Gary, I think the story of the summer over there. It's a quiet summer in Green Bay. I mean, it really was. There wasn't a whole lot of news. Yeah. Uh, the biggest story by a mile was just the growth of Jordan Love. And Gary, I've been saying this for two, three months. I think if Jordan Love was your starter this season, all 17 games, they would still win the NFC North. I think he's taken that kind of jump. You really believe that? Yeah, I, I, I think I they'd win that far. Yeah, I think they'd win nine games, maybe ten, and I think that yeah. would get it done. That'll get it done in that division. Minnesota, Chicago, and Detroit. I don't see any of them getting to double digit 11, 12 wins by by any stretch of the imagination. I think I think they they're good enough top to bottom that they would go 10 and seven with Jordan love. We've always known about his physical skills, right? The, mm-hmm. the arm strength, the, the, the size, the speed, it came down to accuracy and decision-making and, and command and, and things like that of the offense, which is what everyone's been waiting to see from Jordan love. Well, they saw it this summer. They saw it daily in practice. And, and you certainly saw it in the three preseason games uh, that the Packers played. Anybody that just glances at a box score, and looks at Jordan Love's numbers from the summer. They're not going to be impressed, Gary. But the numbers there don't even come close to telling the story, right? Three of those, three of those yeah. interceptions. A couple came on drops. One came on one where a guy ran the wrong route. The one he had last week against the Chiefs right before halftime is totally on him. That was a bad throw into 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 double coverage, even triple right before halftime. But he was trying to make a play and get, and get him some points. And they only had, I think it was twenty seconds or something like that when that when that play started. So. The summer of love, Gary. That there, there's a, there is no question. This was the summer of love. Everyone's been waiting for it. It came this year. It's it's going to be fascinating to follow now the rest of the season. Do they do they? It's it, they're they're in a really tricky spot as an organization, right? They, they they've got their quarterback. I think now for the future, they they can probably feel okay 
about Jordan Love, but everything comes down to Aaron Rodgers, doesn't it? And oh, and absolutely. Will, no, will Rodgers play pass this year. Is this contract, in essence, a one-year contract? Because in a lot of ways, Gary, that's how that contract is structured. We won't bore everyone on the podcast with the details, but but in, in, in many ways, shape, and form, uh, the way that contract was written for Aaron Rodgers make, makes it a one-year deal. Um, and every year he plays after that, the, the cap hit becomes crazier and crazier when he eventually does retire. So it Rodgers is going to have a, a real decision to make when the year is over. The Packers are going to have a decision to make what to do with Jordan Love and you know as he enters year four of his contract at to, to, do loves people at some point in time, Gary, start asking for a trade because that's very possible. He, I think he showed this summer he could he could go and start in a lot of places. I mean, I'll tell you right now, Gary, he'd start in Atlanta. He'd start in Carolina. He'd probably start in Detroit. I mean, there's there's a lot of places in that NFC. Seattle, yeah. yeah. Seattle, yeah, no, it, it, exactly. Maybe the Giants, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of places he would go and start. And and uh, his his people are going to want to get him on the field somewhere by, by, the, by the time the 2023 season rolls around. Yeah. Running back situation, again, I think it's great when you have a one-two combo with Jones and Dillard. I mean, that's about as good as it gets in the NFL. I, I still think, though, they need to find a respectable third round or third round, a third running back. Who knows who that might be, but uh, you know how running backs are. They get banged up, and uh, if you only got one guy available, that that's not a good situation, so. Yeah, Gary, they can't take two to Minnesota. I mean, it's if you lose one of them, it's almost impossible to operate offensively. I mean, if 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 they go up there with just these two, I mean, I guess Amari Rodgers is the emergency third back, but but they, I don't think they want to put themselves in that position. And in some ways, that the, you remember when they tried to make Ty Montgomery a running back all those years ago yeah. with, with Mike McCarthy and yeah. uh, really, I mean, that, 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 that didn't go particularly well either. The, the number three running back is going to be Kylan Hill. I mean, he's, right. he's on pup right now. It, it'll take at least, you know, four weeks before he's eligible to come back and, and play for these guys. But, but certainly I think by the time, if, if his recovery from a torn ACL is on track, he will be that third running back, you know, whether that's October or November, but, but I, I think he's the guy the question becomes who can they get back to the practice squad, Gary, you know, whether, whether that's Taylor or Goodson, you know, a couple of guys they cut yesterday, mm -hmm. can they get them back to the practice squad? Do they elevate them to the 53 for the Minnesota game and, and maybe tinker and toy and, and make another move there maybe with it, with a different player. I, I would anticipate something like that is, is very possible before they go to Minnesota, but, but you're spot on the one, two, which is really all we'll be talking about once the year starts. The one-two punch of Jones and Dylan rivals anybody in football, doesn't it? I mean, they're gonna. Yeah, that's that's pretty quality. Gary, I, I Gary, I, I mean, with as unsettled as the wide receiver group to me still remains, and and there's no doubt that that that's a huge. It's the biggest. It's the biggest question mark on the football team. You will see Aaron Jones and AJ Dylan when the year starts, be Aaron Rodgers' security blankets, um, not just in the passing game, but I don't think Rodgers is going to check out of quite as many uh, run plays as he has in the past, and, and he's going to let those two guys hammer away, and they'll try to win football games, pounding it uh, on the ground. It, it wouldn't surprise me, Gary, if, if they average, let's say, 350 yards a game you know, for the first month, if Jones and Dylan combine for, let's call it, 220 of that, you know, almost two-thirds yeah. of it. Because that, 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 that's how good those two backs are, Gary. Yeah. Well, the uh, quarterback situation and the running back situations are, are more than solid. 
Uh, Rob, I, I got some real concerns about that offensive line, and I got major, major concerns about that receiving core. With the offensive line, of course, it all hinges on Bakhtiari and Jenkins' health, and with the receiving core, I think you wrote an article uh, a few days ago about the receiving core, and you gave him, what, a C-minus overall? As I yeah, and, and that may have been generous, Gary. I wish you were my trigonometry teacher in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you I, I, I think it's a horrible group. I'll, I'll be you, honest you with you. You would have went down a letter, huh? Huh? You would have went down a letter there, huh? Yeah, you know, at, at least a D. Um, yeah. I, I just don't see – I mean, everything could fall into place. They could have – they could be, you know, surprisingly good. But I also believe if they're surprisingly good, it's going to be because of Rodgers because – at least on the surface, I don't see a lot of talent there at all. Well, you know how I think they'll be surprisingly good, Gary? And, and it's not going to happen in the first half of the season, all right? Yeah. It's going to be if these young guys grow up quickly, and by the time you get to, let's say, week 10, week 11, maybe week 8 even, if, if it happens earlier, that guys like Watkins and Cobb have let you down, which which is very likely. Yeah, yeah, I think that could happen easily. It's highly probable, right? That, yeah. that Randall Cobb, who hasn't finished a full season in almost a decade, Gary, is injured again or just at 33 years old, doesn't have a whole lot of burst. That Sammy Watkins, who's coming off a year where he had career lows in every single statistical category, just doesn't have it anymore, Gary. And they turn it over to Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson, who have – who have grown up over the first couple months of the season. I mean, let's be honest. They're probably not going to play a ton up in Minnesota, 10, 15 snaps, something like that. He, and that's even if Watson can go, we'll, we'll see where he is with, with his knee injury, Gary. But mm-hmm. you know, for the, for the first month or two of the season, I don't expect to see a lot of snaps from these guys. Aaron Rodgers had a, he, he holds a weekly press conference, Gary, at his locker. And, and two Wednesdays ago when he, when he did this, he largely told Matt LaFleur who the starting wide receivers are going to be during that <laughs> press conference with, with state reporters. He, it was a day where he called out the young guys yeah. and lit them up a little bit, especially Romeo dubs who had struggled with drops and, and things of that nature and wrong routes. And he said that here are the guys I feel comfortable with Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb. He was, he was largely telling Matt LaFleur yeah. the depth chart that day, Gary. And, and I can promise you, Matt LaFleur is going to listen. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers has done this behind closed doors as well. But he, w- he was making sure it was no secret to anybody out there. It was going to be the veterans, at least for now. Um, but, Gary, I mean, I, I do think a guy like Dubs flashed enough during the summer to think, man, there is a ton of potential there. Just at what point in time can the Packers – really take full advantage of that same with Christian Watson obviously he was limited from the knee injury through the course of the summer and and, and missed about half a camp but his size speed strength ratio Gary is 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 pretty impressive I mean he looks the part every time he steps on the field can he get it done in in year one probably not but again Gary if these guys grow up quickly and and they can by December let's say start to make a difference on the field now I think you've got the potential among that wide receiver group to to go to the postseason with those two guys, with Lazard, um, maybe with a little bit of growth from Amari Rogers, maybe one of those veterans between Watkins and Cobb holds up, and 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 we're not all crabbing about them, you know, when we get to Thanksgiving or something like that, and saying, "Man, what a wasted signing Sammy Watkins was," or "Why did Randall Cobb come back?" Right? I I do think there's. There's some potential in the group, but again, Gary, it's it's largely from the youth. 
Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to convince me about this. School. <laughs> no, that. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely correct. I mean, two years, three years down the road, I, I think Watson Dub, Dubs could be really good receivers. But uh, to me, it, it was inexcusable not to go out and get a big time receiver for this group uh, during the off season. Uh, the offensive line. Uh, again, I, I think it's going to be great if Jenkins and Bakhtiari, you know, are healthy. But uh, if they're not healthy, I think this becomes a real concern. Gary, I think you'll see Jenkins in week one. Uh-huh. I, I really do. Bakhtiari to me remains, I mean, let, let's be honest. He, he's among the, the the three biggest questions yet on the roster and in one of the more bizarre injuries we've, we've ever seen over there in Green Bay, just in terms of length of time from a recovery standpoint. Gary, I will say this. I mean, for a group that continues to get picked at year yeah. in, year after year in free agency, right? And they they lose Brian Balaga and they lose Corey Lindsley, and 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 this year they lose Billy Turner and Lucas Patrick and Dennis Kelly. Gary, they have eight or nine guys that are NFL quality starting offensive linemen. Now, whether whether you know it it all comes together with all these moving parts and and this becomes a, a dominant top five offensive line again, like, like it has been over much of the past decade remains to be seen. But man, Gary, if, if Bakhtiari and Jenkins come back and let's say they're even at 80 or 90% of their, their past selves. Yeah. Talk about those two guys. Josh Myers is a riser at center. John Runyon has locked down that left guard job. I, I think he's going to be a, a really nice player for him. They saw this summer that that a rookie like Zach Tom can play anywhere and be pretty darn good when he's doing it. Gary, there's 31 other teams that would love to have Yash Neisman on their roster as, as the swing tackle, and 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 he may have to start at left tackle for the first month. We'll we'll mm-hmm. see. But but he started nine games last year and 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 he held his own. And 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 I know there's a drop off from the Bakhtiari um, that everybody was used to seeing, um, but that was a Hall of Fame player. Sure. David Bakhtiari over his last two, three seasons before his knee injury. I mean, Yash is a Yash is a legitimate starter. Jake Hansen had a good summer, Gary. Sean Ryan, another draft pick, third round guy. Royce Newman, who started 16 games for him in, in 2021, Gary. We're talking about a lot of linemen there where mm-hmm. it's still from a from a talent and a depth standpoint, that that is a really, really strong group. You're exactly right. The questions remain. Can Bakhtiari play? When will he play? Will it, will he even come close to looking like his old self? None of us have the answers to that. I, I think I think there's clearer answers with Elton Jenkins, who's only 24 years old, has never had a major injury of any sort. He had a much cleaner recovery. He seems to be slightly ahead of Bakhtiari on the, on the comeback trail. Um, I, I don't know, Gary, that they would throw him out there at left tackle right away in week one up in Minnesota if he comes back. That, that's obviously a position of high-level stress. Maybe it's a little bit easier for him to play guard or, or obviously right tackle. I mean, either way, it's a remarkably physical game. Um, I might be reaching a little bit there. But I, but I do think Jenkins will be back probably for that Minnesota game. But the, 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 the those will be the storylines to watch with the offensive line as we get ready, Gary, for week one. Is is can Bakhtiari go? Can Jenkins go? And if, if, if they can't, who steps in and, and, and takes those jobs, Gary? Yeah. Uh, you know how he's uh, blasting the wide receiver core, and I will probably continue to blast him all season. <laughs> but, but, but here's the, the caveat, Rob. 
to me, the X factor on, on the offense is Tanyan. If he comes back and plays at the level that he did a couple of years ago before the injury, I think everything changes. I think they could have a respectful passing game. But if he is still slowed by those injuries, then again, I, you know, I, I have deep concerns. But Tanyan, to me, is so critical to that offense. Gary, he came off the pop August 14th, which is about two and a half weeks ago from, from when, when you and I are recording. He, he's kind of targeted week one from the start. I, I think there's a really good chance. Again, it, it, it's fascinating all these knees we're talking about, right? Bakhtiari and Jenkins and Tunyon and Kylan Hill. Yeah. It's all, all these ACL injuries that, that they're dealing with, and it's, it's so much guesswork um, because, obviously, you, you, you want him in January more than you want him in September, and and so are you are you risking, you know, kind of a, a fatigue factor and, you know, the, the chance of another injury if, if he's not totally ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Gary, I, all signs kind of point to that Tunyon's on track. Um, and, and, Gary, even if it takes a mm-hmm. month, let, let's say it takes until the start of October before Tunyon can go. Um, I'm with you a thousand percent. He is the one guy that they have at that positional group who's who can stretch the field and he's he, and he's proven, right? Tyler Davis can stretch the field, but he's he's completely unproven. And as you saw through these preseason games, there's some real questions with his hands, and you know he, he had a couple of silly penalties, things like that. He he hurt himself. He was. He was as you know he he had to be so squarely on that bubble when they when they cut that thing down on on Tuesday afternoon. I mean he he had to be one of the last two yeah, three guys exactly a, a roster spot. So I I don't know they say all the right things at a podium every single time the Matt Lafleur's and Brian Gutekunst of the world about how much they love a guy like Tyler Davis. We'll we'll see when 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 the season starts whether he plays more than four snaps a game or not because. That's always the most telling thing when it when it comes to these guys. But but there's not another proven guy, Gary, on, on the roster at the tight end spot no. who, who, you, who you can count on for six catches and 75 yards and, and a touchdown on a given Sunday, right? I mean, Mercedes Lewis is 38 years old and can't run anymore. I mean, an above-average blocker still, but – but but he's well past his prime and and I'm kind of surprised they continue to keep bringing him or bring along for the ride every single year Gary and they don't try to go younger with with that spot but they they see things that they love so um he's on the roster because he can block and and then a guy like Josiah Deguara who you know the third round pick in 2020 Gary who tore his own ACL that 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 rookie season for him I mean he flashed a little bit at the end of last year Gary uh had that long touchdown against Detroit but um, in, in week 18, but man, you know, for the most part, he's, he, he's been quiet and um, he, he doesn't run particularly well. They, they thought they'd line him up a lot at H back and, and that hasn't happened all that much. Um, you know, he, he's not a guy I think you can count on as a, as a real reliable threat in the past game either, Gary. So no, I I'm with you the wild card. I think the key guy in that whole offense is Robert Tunyon. All right, let's uh, move along here on, on to the defensive line. I, I think this is the best defensive line the Packers have had in a long, long time. I mean, uh, not only do they have three uh, really good start not really good starters, but Clark obviously is a Pro Bowl player, and Reed should be pretty solid. Lowry should be pretty solid. Uh, but I like, I like their depth, too. Uh, you know, as you well know, I'm a Slayton guy. I, I think he's going to be terrific this year. And uh, who am I missing? Oh, Devontae, the uh, rookie, their second uh, first-round pick. He'll be good. I think, you know, eventually 
So, yeah, so I, I do like the uh, defense line. I think it's, again, the best one they've had in years. How about now? Now you're good again. Something happened. Okay. okay. Um, Gary, really, they have everything. Uh, speed, size, depth, talent. I mean, playmakers, pro bowlers, the potential future pro bowlers. That that defensive line, I mean, it, it, it should be, Gary, as good as the – is, is is the last dominant unit they had, which was which was we're, we're talking back to the Super Bowl team of, of 2010. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Kenny Clark. We don't have to spend a lot of time there, but two-time Pro Bowler, right, coming off his best season in Green Bay. Gary, remarkably, he's still in his mid-20s. He's 25 years old. I mean, 26 years old. He's a pup. I mean, they took him young. They took him at 20 back when they when they drafted him. So yeah. he's still a guy, Gary, amazingly, as it, he's trending upward. It's still at this point in his career, and he came in in 2016. Uh, Dean Lowry's coming off his best season. Again, another seventh-year guy, just like Kenny Clark. And, and Jaron Reed's another seventh-year guy. Uh, Lowry, Clark, and Reed all were taken in that 2016 draft, Gary, and, and they're now Green Bay starting trio up front. But, but Jaron Reed's a guy, and, and I've kind of hammered this all summer, Gary, doesn't get a lot of headlines. His the, his signing completely flew under the radar. Nobody nobody spent a lot of time talking about it or him. But what he brings to that group, Gary, in his last five years, I think it is, he's played like 72% of the snaps. Mm. So he, he gobbles up time on the field. Um, he's been highly productive, particularly in the run game. He did have that one year in Seattle. I think he had about 12 sacks, which is a career year, but it's about half of his career total. Also, but what he's going to do as much as anything, Gary, he's, he's he, he gobbles up so many snaps. He's going to keep these guys fresh and, and they've got the depth now where they can rotate. I mean, we had a year, a few, a few seasons back where Kenny Clark played like 91% of the snaps. You will not have that this year because you mentioned TJ Slayton, who's a guy on the rise and he can step in and, 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 and spell Clark, you know, every third mm-hmm. or fourth series, Devonte Wyatt, really quiet summer. Um, yeah, what was your take on him? Uh, some people said he had a disappointing camp. I mean, I, I think that's pushing the panic button way, way too soon. But um, you, you've seen him. What did you think? He'll he'll be just fine in the long term, Gary. I mean, I tell this to people all the time. B.J. Raji had a remarkably quiet 2009 season. Uh, you remember when he came in as a first-round pick that year, the same year they took Clay Matthews. Mm-hmm. And, and in 2010 – he was as good as almost anybody they had on the on the defense when when they won the Super Bowl. Sometimes it takes these defensive linemen, these young guys, a little bit of time. The good news for Wyatt Gary, and again, I, I think people are right there. He did have an extremely quiet summer, and and that surprised some people. The good news for him is they don't need him to play fifty five snaps right out of the shoot. Mm-hmm. They can they can play him twelve or fifteen snaps, um, even really Gary the entire season because he has such quality people in front of him with, with, with Reed and Lowry um, on, on the edges. And um, I mean, Clark might even kick outside from time to time. If they throw Slayton, it knows they, they are remarkably deep there. So no, I, I do think down the road, Demonte Wyatt will be absolutely fine, Gary, but it's going to take him a little while to get there. You remember you and I were having the same conversation in what 2019 about Rashawn Gary. Who did almost nothing as as a rookie? You know, he was. Behind I was the, wrong. <laughs> he was behind. I was too, Gary. I mean, he, he was behind the two Smiths. He was the fourth outside linebacker that year. I think he played about twenty one percent of the snaps. 
23%, something like that was the number. I mean, it was low twenties and, and he did almost nothing. And, and we'll get to that in a minute, Gary, but, but he's my pick right now to lead the NFL in sacks. Yeah. And, and, and again, guy, you know, guys grow up at a little bit different speed and it's a remarkably tough game. It, I mean, it's, it's a man's man's game. It really is. And try to dominate and, and star right away. Um, it doesn't happen real often. I, I think why it'll be just fine, Gary, but I wouldn't put great expectations on him for uh, the 2022 season. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I would be shocked if the Packers linebacking core did not play at a really, really high level. I mean, you look at uh, Gary Walker, Campbell, Smith. Rob, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, too many better linebacking cores in the NFL. My love affair right now with Rashawn Gary is off the charts. I, mean, <laughs> I that's that's impossible. It was <laughs> it was off the charts last year. <laughs> I, I I mean I I'm telling anyone right now. I, I think the over under on his sack total for the year was like nine. Yeah, and, 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 you know with 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 the fine folks in the desert, and 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 it would not shock me if he doubles that number. I I think he's got a great chance to lead the league in sacks. I think he was like 40 to one to be the defensive player of the year. You know, I'd, I'd have no problem throwing 50 bucks or something on that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, he is ready for a monster type of season where we're talking, you know, 18 sacks and 90 pressures. And um, hmm. don't forget too, he's in a contract year. You know how guys play in contract years. Great right? point. Um, great they, point. They take it up even a notch that nobody thought they yep. still had, had in them. And um, every day and every game that goes by and he, you know, he leaves that Viking game in week one with two and a half sacks. Right. And, and then, and then in week two, he has two more every day, you know, his price tag's going to go up and, and it, it would not shock me when it's all said and done. If, if he's the highest outside, a highest paid outside linebacker in football. So let's, yeah. let's start there among <laughs> the, among the linebacker group. Right. I mean, uh, Preston Smith coming off a really solid season. Um, I think they've got to feel really good with, with, with him as well. Right. He, he had a lousy 2020 Gary, but then he had nine sacks and, you know, nine tackles for loss last year. He had a, he had a really nice season. Um, the only question at outside linebacker is depth, the three, four and five. I don't think, wow, anybody, but, but nobody, nobody has great three, number three, four, five outside linebackers. So if that, if that's your biggest problem and, yeah. you know, yeah. on your defense, you, you, you've got a pretty good, pretty good defense. Inside linebacker Gary is it's really crazy how good that that group could be. Devondre Campbell obviously coming off an all-pro season. Quay Walker the first round pick. He's another guy Gary, he was kind of quiet this summer but he really came on in that in that final uh preseason game week 3 against uh Kansas City. He really high impact level uh type plays in in that game which I which I think turned a lot of heads and and have some people feeling a lot more confidence about him lining up in week one next to Devondre Campbell, but his upside again is off the charts. One of your favorite guys, Chris Barnes, Gary, 23 starts in the last two years, right? Both seasons. He had at least. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. You I tend to forget about now, that. Now he's a guy that was three, undrafted, right? you know, crazy, right? Yeah. Wow. Guy that was undrafted. He has a hundred, 161 tackles, I believe over the last two seasons, you know, here he is now at number three. And, and then at four, Gary is, is Isaiah McDuffie who had a really good summer. And, and if they have to play him from time to time, it's a heck of a lot better than what they've trotted out there in the past. He'll probably be a key guy on, on special teams. 
Gary, when I was writing some stuff yesterday, I went back and I looked at their inside linebacker group from two years ago. Okay. Uh-huh. When they did when they did the final 53 in 2020. Listen I to saw what, that in your story. Great, great point. Yeah. Listen to who these listen to who the four inside linebackers were. Christian Kirksey, mm-hmm. they paid a lot of money to, and the guy could never stay on the field. Oren Burks, disappointing third round bust. pick. Yeah. Total bust, probably, right? Ty Summers, who they released this week. And Kamal Martin, again, another draft pick that didn't work out. Yeah. Kirksey, Burks, Summers, and Martin. And now you turn it over this year and you go with Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie. <laughs> what a remarkable turnaround of that positional group that Brian Gutekunst did. He's got to still go play and get it done, Gary. But on paper here, as we get closer to week one, um, it, 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 it's really fascinating. It, it, it's impressive as heck what Gutekunst has done with that group. Yeah, I, I, I totally concur. Uh, the secondary, I'll tell you what, uh, on paper at least, uh, it looks really good as well. Uh, Alexander and Stokes at the corners, and you got Savage and uh, Amos as their safeties. And, and again, got to be among the top five in the NFL. They've said all summer, Gary, from Jair Alexander, who likes to talk, and Rasul Douglas, who likes to talk, and you know, even a couple of these safeties that don't talk as much, but have no they're talking. <laughs> they're talking, right? They're and they're all saying the same thing: best secondary in football. Now, again, we'll see. They got to go get it done, but they have they have every ability to to make that happen. I mean, when when Rasul Douglas is your third corner, right? I mean, a guy who had five picks and took two back to the house last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when 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 that's your number three corner. You're in you're in pretty darn good shape. I mean, Jair's as good as anybody. He, he he's now the highest paid corner in football. He'll want to prove it that that he earned that money and deserves that money. You know, Eric Stokes is a guy four two nine speed has has everything you want in a corner, Gary, other than the hands. Yeah. And and he I think he had nine balls or eight balls in his hands last year, and he caught one of them. If he can catch half of those this year. And I know he spent a ton of time on jugs machines and things to that effect to try to improve his hands. Now, Gary, with, with some guys, it just never happens. And and they were moved to they were moved from wide receiver to cornerback at 13 years old, flat out because they can't catch the football. And their eighth grade coach and their high school coaches all said, "You're a corner. You're not a wide receiver, my man, because you cannot catch the football." <laughs> Eric Stokes could end up being one of those guys. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, but but Gary is as as good as he is from a physical and mental standpoint, he will get chances. The, the ball will touch his hands another seven to 10 times through the course of this season. Uh, it, Gary, if he catches five of those, look out. I mean, yeah, it's no question. You know, we're we're going to be talking pro bowl for that guy. That's really about the only thing holding him back right now from becoming an elite corner is the fact he, at least up until this point in time, he cannot catch the football. He couldn't catch it in college and he couldn't catch it last year. When it, when it hit his hands in Green Bay. Now, it leads to a lot of passes defensed, which he's which sure. he ranks highly in, the, in those categories, but obviously Green Bay wants the interception. But no, you line those three up, Alexander, Stokes, Douglas, again, good luck. Good luck finding me a trio that matches that, you know, in the league. Depth mm-hmm. is an issue, but again, if, if that's your biggest worry, then then you're, you're probably going to be okay. My biggest question among the defensive backs, Gary, is Darnell Savage. Um, Amos is you hit it. I, I can agree with you more, Rob. Absolutely. This, this is a make or break year for Savage, mm-hmm. um, who's, who's entering year four. If you trace the history of safeties in Green Bay, 
Gary. It's really fascinating. Leroy Butler, Darren Sharper, Nick Collins, all of these guys in year four went from two or three interceptions to like eight. They took that these right? massive, massive jumps in wow. year four. Um, Sharper, I think, had the biggest, um, although Nick Collins was really close too. Leroy was pretty steady already in year three, but all these guys took huge jumps in year four. If wow. Savage can do something like that, Gary, um, because again, he's such a he's such a remarkably gifted physical specimen that if he can get the mental side of it figured out and put himself in these positions because he's got all the physical gifts in the world, um, he, he, he can be a tremendous playmaker in the back. Amos is as steady as it gets. You know, kind of mm-hmm. runs the defense and always in the right spot and doesn't make mistakes, kind of like Morgan Burnett played the position all those years in Green Bay. Only Amos is a little bit better than Burnett was. But, but Savage, to me, Gary, is the wild card because especially at the end of last year, teams were still attacking him. They were looking for him in that secondary when, when they get, especially when they get close to the goal line, that's who they went after. And, and Savage has to take his game up a notch. He's not some young kid anymore. I mean, he was, he was the first defensive back chosen in that 2019 draft, um, a corner or safety. And it, it's, it, it really is high time. He starts living up to that. Yeah. I, I keep thinking of the uh, Packers Ravens game and how Mark Andrews tore him up. And I was I was pretty critical, but then I started thinking like, you know what, Mark Andrews tore up a lot of guys last year. <laughs> I mean, and, and I blame that on the Packers' uh, defensive coaches. That when when you play a play a stud receiver like Mark Andrews, you better give that guy some help. I, I I'm not sure Ronnie Lott can guard that guy, you know. And uh, so I I think in, in hindsight it was a little unfair being so critical about Savage's play, but. That, that one game, I mean, it, it really stood out. He, he had all sorts of problems. You're, you're not wrong. I mean, Andrews, Kelsey, guys like that, right? Kittle in San Francisco, they, they can eat up a lot of safeties. The thing with Savage that makes him so unique, Gary, is, is he's so skilled physically that, I mean, they've talked about making him the nickel and, yeah. and sliding him inside. Now, that, that role is going to be played by Rasul Douglas instead this year. But but Savage is so gifted physically that that – you know, and, he, and he's been a core at times in his life that that they've talked about moving him inside at times to to play that to play that slot nickel corner spot, which which tells you right away he can he can guard shifty, yeah. um, clever little wide receivers. He can take away bigger tight ends, things like that. I mean, you're right. Andrews is an all pro guy. He's one of the three or four or five best tight ends in football. So specifically focusing on that game is isn't exactly fair. But other teams have taken advantage of Savage too. And mm-hmm. not not to the extent that Baltimore did in that game with Andrews, but but teams have picked on him. His his you know, the amount of touchdowns he allows and, and has allowed through the course of his his career is, is too high, Gary. And he, he's got to take a step up. The defense is gonna be outstanding. But if they're gonna be a the number one or a top three defense when it's all said and done, uh Savage is the one guy to me, Gary, that might have the most to prove this season. Yeah. Alrighty, let's address a topic that's always been one of our favorite ones in the last couple of years. <laughs> and I think Packer Nation is with us on this. Uh, they spent a lot of money to get a get a new uh, special teams coach. Uh, but based on what I saw in the preseason, it, it looked like the old Packers special teams. Not very good. Yeah, and, and surprisingly, and, and to his credit, I mean, Matt LaFleur did blast the units after the, the, the Kansas City game, and mm-hmm. which was the third preseason game. 
you know, where, where he just said, honestly, we're not close to where we want to be. And then he said, Kansas city took it to us. Uh, and I'm sure Rich Passaccia, who, who you're referencing there, Gary is, is who's the new special teams coach would say the exact same thing. It, it, it was bad. I mean, it, it was ugly. Now the excuse they're going to give you and the excuse they're going to use is that there were six, seven, eight, eleven 11 guys at times, maybe who won't be part of the special teams units when they go up to Minnesota um, again in, in, in 10 or 11 days. Those, a lot of the guys who were on teams that that night are are no longer Green Bay Packers as as you and I are talking today. But there were still some really concerning things, right? Guys not getting off blocks, huge holes that that were opened up and allowed because uh, you know scheme wise they did they didn't keep it clean. Gary, they've got so much ground to make up on some of these other teams from from the way last season ended. They were already behind the eight ball. They did not have a particularly good summer when it came to some of these uh, preseason games. So it, it uh, until proven otherwise, Gary, if, th- there is no question this, if we talked about wide receivers, maybe being the weakest unit or the biggest question mark on the football team. I forgot for a minute about special teams. Uh, they, 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 they still have the most approved, right? Mason Crosby yeah. had a bad year uh, by his standards. I think Jack Coco's the long snapper for today, but, that could that could easily change. Um, you know, they they didn't bring him in until you know midway through the through the off season, and then he wound up beating out Stephen Wordle, who probably shouldn't have been on the roster in the first place. You know, Rob, year. I would have kept Wordle after the yep. playoff game last year. I mean, I was amazed he was still on the roster when when the draft ended, Gary. Yeah, it was inexcusable. I mean, if you saw that play where the block punt was, he just allowed his guy to bull rush him right into the into the kicker. I mean, it was ridiculous. Again, par for the course, right? With how those yeah. units have been for, for 15 years. We're talking about, I think, Gary, I mean, obviously they were last um, in, in special teams rankings last season. I think there's I think there's five other times might be the number. So it's six total times in the last 15 years or since like 2005 that they have been last. And then like another six times, Gary, where they're 26th or worse. So you're talking like 12 out of 15 seasons or whatever. They're in the bottom seven of the NFL. Um, It's an enormous job for Basaccia. He's been successful everywhere he's gone. You you, you give him the benefit of the doubt for now, Gary, but you you start to wonder like, is is this part of the football team just cursed, (laughs) right? Is, is, Is this a unit that no matter, you know, who they bring in, right? They could go and, Right, get, get John Harbaugh, they, they could get Harbaugh from Baltimore, right? Yeah. Who's who's known as the greatest special teams coach in in the history of the league, and and he still couldn't fix it. it <laughs> it's almost getting to that point in time. They finally spent some money and went out and got a high quality coach to 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 run the show with this unit. Again, they haven't played a game that matters yet. We'll see how this thing looks a month into the season, Gary. But it wasn't a it wasn't a highly encouraging summer, and and all the Packer fans. That, that have been pessimistic and screaming and yelling about special teams for 15 years. At this point in time, Gary, they still have every reason and right to be screaming. Well, I'll tell you what, they uh, better have their act together against the Vikings because the Vikings got some great returners. Yep. And uh, if they're not ready, if they're not prepared, it could get ugly. Um, two quick things. Who are, who are going to be the return guys, do you think, for the Packers? Punt it, punt and uh, kickoffs. Great nothing, question. 
nothing's been announced yet, right? I mean, no, n- nothing's been announced, and and we'll see how this plays out. I mean, I, I, I I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just guess that Amari Rogers keeps at, at, at least maybe the punt job, Gary. Uh-huh. Um, what, what's going to be what's going to be interesting in telling Gary is you know the, 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 does Christian Watson play in week one right um, the, the, does he get a role on kick returns uh, Keyson Nixon was was brought in not just as a corner but because he's a heck of a special teams guy could he give the units a, a lift could, could he give him a burst I think they averaged Gary 17 yards on kicks last year on kick returns I mean they They've got to get an element of speed and burst there that I just don't think Amari Rogers has. I know he, he's in better shape. He, he He's looked a little bit better this summer. But when, when you're talking guys, Gary, that can just take it to the house and blow it up on a kick return, I mean, a guy like Christian Watson can do that. Um, sure. And if, if Gary, if he's not playing much from scrimmage when the year starts, right, if he's behind Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, and, and even Dubs, and maybe even Amari Rogers put him back on kick returns and try to bust one every month or so, mm. you know, same thing with a guy like Nixon with some speed. Uh, Watson's one of these guys, Gary, that it's, it's a little bit of a question until we know what's up with him for week one. So I, I, I guess until proven otherwise, it might be Amari Rogers, Gary, but, but again, I think they can do a lot better than that. Yeah. My, my choice would be dubs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let the kid, you know, see what happens. I mean, he, he looks like he's, elusive he's got speed he seems to be pretty tough um if he's gonna be on the roster put him to work you know so anyways um what about crosby uh you know had a brutal season last year they got rid of it got rid of his holder they got rid of the long snapper uh no excuses there were no excuses last year gary yeah. I, I, I i i i hated the fact that everybody in that building wanted to throw the blame on somebody else. Other exactly. Than Crosby yeah, because, I couldn't agree with you more. Because Gary, you know what? You got two and a half hours a day on a practice field where three guys line up together. One of them snaps it. One of them holds it. One of them kicks it. And and for some of those problems to still be existing right into November and December, we're, we're just inexcusable. It, it's not like you're asking these guys in a practice setting, Gary, then to, to run around and, and play defensive line for 45 snaps and, and, and jump over them and play another 30 at tight end. That is all they do. They, they snap the ball, hold the ball, kick the ball. And, and for them to still be such a mess at the end of last season, Hey, I, Mason Crosby's an all-time Packer, right? He's going to be in the Packer hall of fame. He's their all-time leading scorer. He's, you know, he, he, he you certainly make the case. He's the best kicker in, in team history. Um, but, but last year to me is still on Mason Crosby. I, I don't want to hear about the holder. I, I don't want to hear about the snapper. Things weren't perfect, but but again, there's there's a lot of kickers in the league that deal with imperfections at times, Gary. And and, and that's up to that, that trio then to get it fixed between, you know, Wednesday and, and Friday and or Wednesday and Saturday. And you even got Monday to practice. Tuesday's the off day in the league. There's, Mason Crosby should be okay, Gary. You know, you, you know, he spent the summer on pup, obviously. They've they they cut the other kicker yesterday when when they made cuts, which gives you every sign and indication that Mason Crosby will be ready for Week One. But uh, but it's a big year for Crosby, Gary, too. He he's got to bounce back. He did one other time in his career. You remember he had a miserable 2012 season when he made 63 percent of his kicks and he was almost out the door that year. Uh, he's got to bounce back this year because 20, 2022 was not pretty. 
or I'm sorry, 2021 was not pretty, Gary. Uh, he's he's got to make sure that this year goes, uh, that the numbers look a lot more like a typical Mason Crosby season. All right, Rob. A couple quick hits before we uh, wrap this up. Get out your crystal ball here. Oh, Who do you boy. think? Give me one team from the AFC, one team from the NFC. Who you think are going to be big surprises? Like the Bengals were a year ago. I mean, they came out of nowhere. Who would be the one team from the AFC, one team from the NFC that you think could make that quantum leap? Well, I don't know if it's a quantum leap, Gary, but San Francisco is my Super Bowl champion. Um, All right, you're getting ahead Trey of me. And, and Trey Lance to me. <laughs> Trey Lance is going to be a top five MVP finisher when it's all said and done. I, I think he's the breakout player of the year. But but again, that's probably not a quantum leap, right? Because San Francisco was in no. the NFC title game and they led the Rams by ten points going to the fourth quarter. I guess my quantum leap team then, Gary, would be Philadelphia. I, I think they're going to make. Good call. I think they're going to win the division. Um, I think they're going to be a top three seed when it's all said and done. And I think they hit at least the divisional playoffs. I love what they've done with that roster. They made another trade yesterday and added a high-level safety uh, from from the Saints. There's just a lot I like about what what Philadelphia has going on. The division is weak with Washington and the Giants. And and even Dallas, to me, looks like a 500 team that that could fire its head coach by the midway point of the season. So I like Philly a lot in the East, Gary. And and I, and I certainly think they're one of the last four teams standing uh, in the in the NFC. It's probably too cliche to give you Denver in the AFC, right? Because everybody everybody loves Denver, even though yeah. they won six seven games last year. Now that they've added added Russell Wilson. So again, I don't know, Gary, if it's a quantum leap, but the team everybody has dead and buried that I still think is going to win 11 games and be formidable is Bill Belichick's Patriots. Okay. And I I don't know again that that's any wild crazy thought, but but it, everybody Gary has them, you know, buried over uh, the, the fact they don't have a legitimate offensive coordinator and, and, it, and it hasn't been a great summer for Mac Jones and this, that, and the other thing. Hey, man, until proven otherwise, Bill Belichick is far and away the best coach in this league. I think they're going to give Buffalo everything they can handle in that division. They split with them last year before Buffalo routed them in the playoffs. But to me, Gary, New England stays a playoff team, wins 10, 11 games, and, and that, 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 that's a team that everybody had buried that, that I think is, will, will still be really good. Yeah, my pick in the uh, NFC is the Vikings. Uh, yep. They they finished below 500 last year. Uh, I, I like the idea they brought in uh, Mr. Smith, the former Packer. I think he's going to really help their defense. And that offense is, you know, when it when it's rolling, it's really good. So I, I, I like the Vikings to be the surprise team in the NFC. And then in the AFC – I'm going with the Jacksonville Jags. Whoa. <laughs> the team that won a whopping three games last year. But uh, I think Mr. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to really, really blossom this year. I, I think he's a tremendous talent. Um, I think they upgraded their roster considerably. Uh, so, yeah, uh, those, those are my two picks uh, for the biggest surprises. You know what, Jackson? You know, Gary, what Jacksonville really upgraded? Hmm. Head coach. Great point. Yeah. A Super Bowl winner versus an absolute turd and a clown. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember a team making a, 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 a more dramatic improvement at head coach in quite some time. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. But, uh, okay, so the big one here. Who do you see being in the Super Bowl? Uh, you, you mentioned you got the Chiefs winning it all, correct? Nope, I've got San Francisco. I, I'm sorry, San Francisco, yeah. Yep. I, you know, I, I still love Buffalo's roster top to bottom, and, 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 and I have a lot of questions about that head coach, and everybody should, the way he handled those final few seconds in, in that Chiefs game last year. And, and there's some real questions whether he can take a team to the Super Bowl. But, but I'm going to go San Francisco, Buffalo, Gary, and unfortunately for Bill's nation, it'll be another Super Bowl that they lose. And I am going to take the Rams as one of the teams to get to the Super Bowl, along with the Kansas City Chiefs. Back-to-back for the Rams. Yeah, yeah. You know what? And I, I didn't think that could happen, but when they went out and got Allen Robinson you know, to yeah. come in, really one of the more underrated wide receivers in the NFL. But here's the sleeper, sleeper player on the Rams, 2-2 Atwell. And he had a nondescript rookie year. He got hurt, and, and nobody talked about him. But he was the Rams' second-round pick last year. And this guy, Rob, is electrifying. Um, and, he, and, and he's had a really good preseason. So I'm thinking as good as their offense was last year, plus he had Stafford being more familiar with that system now in the second year that uh, the Rams are just going to be tough offensively. And plus, they got a great coach, great offensive mind in McVay. So uh, then, as far as the Chiefs, how do you bet against Patrick Mahomes? I mean, this team uh, has been consistently really, really good the last three years. What they've won, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 38 wins in the last three seasons. And the only team that has had more is the Packers with 39. But, uh, man, as, lo- as long as you got Patrick Mahomes running the show, I'm not going to discount uh, the Chiefs. Hey, tough to argue. Who do you have winning the game? I am going with the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes back on track. Okay. Uh, you know, they, they they have flaws just like every other team. You know, we went over the Packers situation. And they, they certainly got uh, – flaws but uh man they're, they're, they've been consistently good and we'll, we'll see what happens but you're picking the 49ers you said correct i am i i, I gary you think how close that unit and that team was last year uh to being in a super bowl they led the rams by 10 going to the fourth quarter with a journeyman mediocre quarterback right yeah if Trey lance takes that up 10 percent it should be a Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's a Super Bowl roster. They've got they're terrific on both lines of scrimmage. They've got playmakers in the pass game. They've got a top three tight end in Kittle. Um, they've got some questions in the back end with that with that with that secondary. But but the front seven is outstanding. I think the head coach is terrific. They, you saw last year they're still really good on special teams. The key obviously is Trey Lance, right? I mean, can he take that offense up a notch and? And, and I certainly think he will, Gary. And, and if he does, that to me was pretty darn close last year to being the best team in football. And I, I think this year it becomes the best team. Rob, we are coming down the stretch. Actually, we just crossed the finish line. Again, great, great podcast. Really enjoyed Gary, we need Packer predictions. Do I do that now or next week? Oh, that's fine. We can do it next week. 
Okay, well, we'll keep our listeners on hold here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thanks for uh, stopping by. Always a pleasure to see you and hear you. And uh, I love your insights, like I have said uh, countless times over the years. But uh, take care, Rob. And our listeners, you take care as well. And uh, all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.